Good morning, Henry. Hello to Iceland. How are you? A wonderful good morning to Germany. I'm pretty good. It's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, the sun is shining straight into my face. And uh, just just to to um, to pull the wheel a bit. Um, yeah, we are doing these recordings remotely. So while I'm here in Germany, you are all the way over in Iceland, and I think it's just fascinating what is possible using the internet these days. Just oh, that's true. Every day, I'm amazed how easy and good this is now. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's see. You have come up with an interesting topic of today, which um, the title the, the title of this episode is "The Hot Heart of Antarctica." Uh, Antarctica is cold, isn't it? Well, that's what most people think, and um, that's the most obvious thing because you have this huge, big ice sheet on top of it. But um, if you look a little bit closer and to go a little bit into the ice, you will find a lot of evidences for um, the hot heart underneath, which is basically volcanism. And um, this is a very special thing because the type of volcanism we have there, the subglacial volcanism, is something that's very difficult to to research, especially in Antarctica where you have a, an average two-kilometer thick ice sheet on top of it. So you you have to come up with them pretty smart ideas how to yeah how to research that if i would i would expect if there's a volcano under two kilometers of ice that you could still kind of measure temperature differences uh no not on the surfaces actually okay no it must be a very very powerful super volcano to break through two kilometers thick of ice i'm not even thinking um, about breaking through but um isn't there like a at least a slight difference or does it dissipate so much through that ice that it's pretty much not measurable on the on the top. Now that depends on the strength. Actually, when you have a uh, a bigger eruption, then uh, you will find uh, traces of that also on the surface. But what you can find is um, those traces within the ice. So you can find ash layers and uh, some certain microbes in in the in the ice. But um, the the way the scientists actually figured out the um, these um, yeah, type of volcanoes. Well, actually, they uh, researched the ocean and they were looking for something completely different. They were actually looking for um, a proof on how much the hot ocean, the uh, the hot seawater, is actually melting down um, shelf ice, and they were stumbling across uh, helium gas uh, particles in the in the water. And when they first saw the results, they were actually um thinking there might must be some some mistake some error in in the research and uh, after they repeated the experiment and they repeated it several times they figured out that this um helium is a trace of subglacial volcanism and that it's basically wa uh, washed out because helium gas is uh, one of the traces of volcanic eruptions it's a pretty pretty obvious sign of subglacial um volcanoes and um, that gave them the idea and by that they actually started um, looking deeper into that and uh, the British Antarctic Survey actually they executed then uh, a research um, field trip to Antarctica in uh, 2014 I think it was and they revealed the biggest region of volcanoes in the world what? Uh, those were those volcanoes, over 100 volcanoes under the ice, uh, the biggest one 
is uh, taller than 4,000 meters. Just imagine the Eiger in Switzerland, 4,000 meters and still under the ice. And uh, that's a huge, huge region. It's very, very likely to dwarf the uh, East African volcanic ridge, which is currently the densest concentration of volcanoes in the world. Oh, and that's just, just really just one step really back. Amazing. We, we we're talking about over one hundred volcano active volcanoes under the Antarctic ice sheet. Not necessarily active okay, volcanoes. Okay. Um, it's just traces of volcanoes. So what they did in the research, they were scanning for certain shapes, for certain patterns uh, in the topography. And they found some cones and a certain certain height of the cone, um, the certain shape of the cone was their, um, yeah, their backup point to say that's kind of, uh, that's a volcano. Um, then in the next step, they did radio echoing and um, yeah, identified that. So, what we've found out through that research is actually an identification of 138 volcanoes. <laughs> 91 of them have been unidentified before that uh, research. Wow. And, and so, so you said they, they did this by finding the, the, the right shapes that are volcanoes. And uh, how do they do this? I mean, with a, with a two-kilometer ice sheet on top um, you can't just go down there and look no they do that with uh, radio aquing so they're basically um, executing a lot of flights they um, do that's pretty much what we also do in, um, in Greenland by the way uh, it's also um, field missions on on location so they just go on the uh, on the glaciers on the ice sheets and um, just uh, yeah build up their um, measuring tools there and, and uh, yeah, figure out the topography underneath the ice. Okay, so so they're pretty much like uh, putting, uh, uh, issuing some impulses and then look at the at the echo that comes back, and this way they can determine exactly. the the topography underneath. Okay, wow, how many of those are are, are active? Do we know? Uh, there's no certain number for that. So the most obvious, of course, is uh, Mount Erebus. Um, that's the most obvious because um, it has an open crater. Right. It's constantly active, so you have a an active lava lake in the crater. But uh, besides that, there is no, um, yeah, no secured number of active volcanoes. An active volcano is also probably a little bit misleading in a, a geographical term. When we talk about active volcanoes, we think about volcanoes that has erupted at least once in the past 10,000 years. So it's not that there's an eruption imminent right now. We have to distinguish there. Okay. So um, we're looking at over 100 volcanoes. Um, the, the reason I was asking if any of those were active is because um, I was wondering how much impact could that have on the Antarctic ice? How How is their distribution? Um, that's a very interesting point. So the distribution um, of what they found is along the West Antarctic um, ice sheet. So it's basically when, when you have the, the map of Antarctica, you have this big part which almost looks like a skull that's uh, East Antarctica. And then you have this tail which goes to the Antarctic Peninsula, um, almost to uh, South America, that's uh, West Antarctica. And um, 
this tail actually is a prolongation of the uh, yeah, Transantarctic Mountains, and those Transantarctic Mountains are pretty much like the the area where we found the most uh, volcanoes. And uh, your question was leading to what effect does that have on Antarctica on the ice right. sheet? Um, this is actually a very interesting question because what they indeed found out is uh, one of or one of the heat sources uh, uh, which they found through that research is actually accelerating the already fastest melting glacier in Antarctica. And uh, we are talking here about Pine Island Glacier, which is uh, the, a large ice stream in uh, West Antarctica in the Amundsen Sea. And this glacier is actually responsible for about 25% of Antarctica's ice loss. So it's one quarter of all the ice that's lost in Antarctica is has uh, um, been lost through that glacier. And this ice stream that flows northwest um, from uh, the Hudson Mountains. And the Hudson Mountains are actually exactly that heat source that's uh, accelerating this uh, speed. And this is very, very uh, interesting in terms of um, calculations of sea level rise because uh, so far in, in the models of um, uh, climatologists, when they um, calculate the sea level rise, they actually see the history of um, melt uh, of, of the meltdown and they um, just you know they give a guess how this meltdown develops in the in the future and they put of course um, a lot of input in there what can trigger that meltdown and right now we are talking a lot about global warming but um, if you have that heat source underneath, that's of course something you have to add on to make that model more realistic. And we have to keep in mind, and we have to keep in mind here that um, the while the ice shelf melting will not ra raise the, the the sea levels because it's already swimming. These volcanoes are all on, on land, so they are if they are doing anything, they melt ice that will uh, will. Um, have its have its part in the global sea level rise. It's partially true. So the volcanoes are all on land, um, but the ice shelf actually is affecting the sea level rise because ice shelf uh, originates from land-based ice. So at a point, it started up mm. on land and just got pushed in the ocean. I see, I and see. as soon as it is in the water, it affects the sea level. When it then breaks off, when the iceberg breaks off the ice shelf, this doesn't affect uh, the sea level rise anymore. The, the effect was earlier when the ice was pushed from the land into the sea. But yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much right. Um, what's interesting, um, in front of Pine Island Glacier, we don't have a big ice shelf. It's just a 50-kilometer-long stretch um, which is floating, you basically don't have in the Amundsen Sea um, shelf ice. And that's the the interesting thing from uh, Pine Island Glacier. We have a huge acceleration. Uh, just to give you a few numbers, we have an increased speed of 73% uh, between the year 74 when the measures measurements started in, in uh, that region of Antarctica till 2007-2008. And since then, we have an 8% increase per year. So we have a huge acceleration still going on. And when we look at the at the data 
that's got collected there in the area, then we have also to take another step back because what we see here is that the heat source underneath is having an, an effect, but the still majority, the by far biggest effect on that particular ice sheet is still the warmer air. So the overall warming climate is still the biggest effect. So climate skeptics came up with the idea, oh, we have a lot of volcanoes <laughs> underneath. So it's not about uh, global warming. So basically the volcanoes are actually melting down the ice. We have similar sayings in Iceland where we have a lot of subglacial volcanoes. It's a little bit different. So when you see, for example, the 2010 um, eruption in Iceland from Eyjafjallajökull, which was a volcano underneath ice, you basically don't see traces of the of the crater in anymore in the ice sheet because the ice sheet recovered even though the glacier itself is shrinking and it's melting well it's a it's a kind of a, a very a very easy conclusion to make to say oh no it's the volcanoes it's not us but um you're saying this is not the case it is us and not the volcanoes it's it is very um yeah it's it's um it's very tempting to uh, to go that way but um, that's something we learned in Iceland, that uh, subglacial volcanism is not the biggest threat to the glacier. And uh, the heat source on, underneath Pine Glacier, for example, um, uh, the power of the heat source is suggested to could be approximately half as large as the Grimsvötten volcano in Iceland, which is one of the largest ones we have uh, here in the country. So it is quite a powerful um, source we have underneath the ice, which is affecting, of course, the uh, the ice melt. But it's not the main impact on the melt. Okay, so when those scientists went out and found all those volcanoes, that was pretty much just a, a data collection. Is there any any consequences out of that, or do we just know now? those volcanoes are there i mean not that you could do anything about what they're doing because it's <laughs> a lot of stuff out there <laughs> but uh, yeah will this will this lead to any to anything yeah that's the thing with all the polar research it leads of course to something um the the main um main achievement is basically that we can uh more have more detailed uh, prolongations, more detailed um, forecasts. Um, models can be updated, and, and new input can put in uh, be put into the models. And we we have a better picture, better understanding of how everything is connected um, when we think about the melt of um, Antarctic ice. So we have certain different types of glaciers and pine island glacier is not um just a glacier it's an ice stream it's like a highway which is much much faster moving than the surrounding ice uh so far it was quite difficult to understand why ice streams are flowing so much quicker we thought it's because they have a much much deeper drainage area which um has a, a very steep bedrock where the glacier is just because of its heavy weight just exhilarating then of course you have the meltdown of uh, of surface surface ice, which is just uh, draining into the ice, um, building um, kind of a 
uh, for water uh, water flow underneath the the ice, which is exhilarating the ice stream. Now we know it's even more that can impact the um, this acceleration, which can impact those um, uh, yeah those um, speed uh, flowing speed, and this is pretty much the the yeah the main achievement of of that research that we get a better understanding of how everything is connected so that research is that done now i mean as you said we now have more pieces in the in the overall puzzle by knowing this but is that research done or do you know if there's any any deeper research going on with these volcanoes now there is of course a deeper research going on um the british Antarctic survey is still uh, present there it's uh it's an area in antarctica which is not claimed by any nation and the antarctic treaty itself prohibits any new claims uh while it's still um in in force so a lot of um different multinational uh research groups are going down there and um, executing more research and understanding of um yeah gl uh, glacial volcanism which is very very interesting in uh, so many different um, aspects but of course the west antarctic is much much um easier to access for uh, for the research groups and uh, we have a, quite a couple of um yeah research field stations there and uh, some just temporarily field um field stations where they actually do much more of that research the Bigger overall question is also, since we know we have a lot of volcanoes there and some of them, probably most of them, are have not been really active in the past, um, how is um, a losing mass balance affecting the activity of the volcano? That's something we can witness in Iceland, that um, the loss of mass balance on the glaciers on top of a volcano is affecting the activity of a volcano we have a very very interesting example in uh, katla one of the largest volcanoes we have in iceland which is covered by the fourth largest largest glacier uh, in iceland Mirdalsjökull. we have um kind of a, a very periodic increase of um, seismic activity and that always happens in september october what we found out in research is that this is um indicated by the summer ice minimum so during the summer uh, the sun is just melting down the glacier on top of that volcano that minimum so the minimum mass of that glacier appears to be always there in september so when we have the thinnest ice layer on top of that volcano that also means that the crust which is flexible so the the crust of the earth it's just lifting a tiny little bit, giving more space in the magma chamber underneath. So the magma in the magma chamber can just rumble around and can just, um, yeah, move around. That causes those earthquakes. Something similar, just transfer that down to Antarctica where we have a lot more volcanoes and a lot more of ice, which is lost recently. Then we think about the effects that can happen there and that's something very serious we have to keep in mind. I'm just trying to to think about what uh, what happens with a volcano that wants to erupt, but there's a two kilometer ice layer on top of it, like a big plug of sorts. Yeah, it's pretty much like a champagne bottle where right. you have the cork on top of it, and uh, if you just lift up 
the Korg piece by piece, then um, you will feel the, the further you get the Korg out of the bottle, the easier it gets. And um, this is pretty much the same with a volcano. The less weight you have on top of it, the easier it is for a volcano to break through because it needs less energy. Yes. Hmm. So this could be an accelerating thing, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, we, we, we have the um, the proof now that the heat sources um, from volcanic origin underneath the Antarctic ice sheet is accelerating the meltdown. It's measurable. And on the other hand, the melting ice is also accelerating the volcanic activity. So that's kind of a circle going on there. <sighs> okay, so who would have known that Antarctica has the biggest, the biggest amount of volcanoes um, in in the world? Pretty much, not not the biggest amount, but the um, biggest density. The biggest density. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Oh well, interesting, very interesting. So here's another piece in the puzzle of. <laughs> what's happening with the ice in the Antarctic um, thank you very much that was very insightful and uh, thank you everyone listening <clears throat> we have a lot more content over at curiouslypolar.com talked about everything from education in the Arctic to uh, some history lessons on Arctic expeditions to Ant the Antarctic Treaty to different sea routes to well anything you could think about. And if you have a suggestion for a topic that we might cover here, then uh, let's know about it. You will find ways to contact us over at curiouslypolar.com and we'll be back in a week with a new topic. Until then, take care. Take care.